by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Welcome all, hell the people. that doesn't know me, I think everybody probably does. How many love me? We're going to see after the service. We'll do another poll. (laughs) Oh, you're full of life now. You're full of passion. That's how he made you. So just let it happen. Just let it happen. Let God have his way in you. Come alive. Come alive. I'm going to say on the front end that those teachers of the greasy grace, they may not like my message tonight. You know what I mean, those teachers of the greasy grace? Those, they say good things about God's grace, and I don't take any of that away. I would never say anything bad about God's grace. It's better than I could explain in a hundred lifetimes. But then they cheapen it in, in ways where they make it sound like Once you get saved, your sins are forgiven and and you can live any old kind of way you want to. And it doesn't matter because it's all under the grace. Well, that's that's not why we were saved by grace. We were saved so we could be set free from the bondage of sin. We could be set free to live a holy life. We didn't get set free to go back deeper in and say, well, I'm under the blood. God forbid. So, if, you know, somebody happens to hear this tape that's been listening to that, they may pull the religious card out on me. You know how people are pulling cards out on everybody these days? <laughs> they pull a card on you quick. They'll label you something. They may say, that's religion. Well, you have to judge for yourself. But anyway, bear with me and let me get this out, okay? 2 Corinthians 6.17 says, Therefore, come out from among unbelievers. And separate yourself from them, says the Lord. Don't touch their filthy things, and I will welcome you. So what does that imply? If you do touch their filthy things. That's what it would imply. So so if you touch the filthy things of the world, it's leading you to believe there may cause some separation between you and God. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians. Chapter 10. Starting in verse 21. It says, You cannot drink from the cup of the Lord and from the cup of demons too. I don't know who would want to drink from the cup of demons when it's put like that, but Then it says, you cannot eat from the Lord's table and the table of demons too. What? Do we rouse the Lord's jealousy? Now, you know you're jealous about somebody that you love, right? Somebody who has your heart. You get jealous over those kind of things. And God is jealous for us. He tells us not to be jealous because we don't really own anything. 
But he owns it all, so he's the only one that has the right to actually be jealous, and he's jealous of you. He says, do you think we're stronger than he is? You say, I'm allowed to do anything. Greasy grace. I'm allowed to do anything. Every, anything. But he says, but not everything is good for you. You say, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. Do you see what I'm saying? God has set us free, but it's so that we can do good things. Don't be concerned for your own good, but for the good of others. And that's God's heart for us, that we would be more concerned about others than we are ourselves. Now, the greasy gracers had it right when they say that we have been set free in Christ. There is wonderful liberty. And like I said, I can't say enough about his magnificent grace. I, I will never say a bad thing about God's grace. And I'm, not, and I'm not trying to take away from it when I say these things. What I'm trying to do is add to it. Jesus did fulfill the letter of the law. Right? He came to fulfill the law. He, he fulfilled it. He, all righteousness, he was baptized and everything, and, and he paid our penalty, and he paid the price. He lived a sinless life. He fulfilled the law. But Galatians 5.13 says, For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command, to love your neighbor as yourself. So he fulfilled the letter of the law, and now he leaves us here to fulfill the spirit of the law, which is the law of love. And even that's a higher law. Jesus said, you know, the, the commandments say, you know, don't commit a, a murder. But the spirit of love says when you hate somebody in your heart, it's like murder. The commandments say don't commit adultery, but when you, commit a, when you look on a woman to lust with your eyes, that's committing adultery in your heart. So Jesus raised the, the bar. If anything, he didn't, didn't lower the bar. So tonight, we're going to start a new Wednesday night series, which we hadn't done in quite a while. And we're going to do this, at least I believe we are. Uh, tonight's the first message of the new series called Daniel. We're going to look at the book of Daniel. And tonight's message is called Compromise. In the first chapter of Daniel, we see that Jerusalem has fallen, <coughs> excuse me, Jerusalem has fallen into the hands of the Babylonian Empire. They've got into sin, and God took his hand of protection off of them, and, and he sent uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, who became basically the world leader and, and the king of the Babylonian Empire. They took over Jerusalem, and just much like this world has fallen into the hands of Satan, and Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you know those four, they were of Ju Jerusalem's royal family, and they were spared and brought to live in Nebuchadnezzar's palace in Babylonia because he took the, be the best, you know, to see if he could use them for, for his kingdom. And that's much, much like me and you. We're separated from our true kingdom, which is the kingdom of heaven. We're, for a time, forced to live in such a time as this. And it seems hard and a struggle, but it was for such a time as this that you were created. 
That's why you were born. You were saved. God saved the best for last. And for as such a time as this, you were created. So anyway, the Babylonians set out to mold these godly fellows into pagans. They were pagans. They didn't, you know, really believe in God. And the, the, the world wouldn't try to mold us into heathens, would it? The world we live in? No. I don't see any, any beer commercials or anything like that on TV. I don't see, you know, they wouldn't try to get us to use our body as sexual objects or anything like that or wouldn't try to get us to follow their customs. You know, they respect us as Christians, right? Is that your experience? But you could say, well, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, when in Rome, do as the Romans do. When in Babylonia, you know, do as the Babylonians do, right? Somebody might say, no, that's not what God says. He says, we already read that scripture, come out from among them and be ye separate. Talked about it Sunday. We're a peculiar people. I think I said, talked about it Sunday, maybe last Wednesday. But they pressure Daniel. Well, they don't pressure. He's, he's a hostage. They get Daniel, Shadrach, and Meshach, and, and they begin to teach them the Babylonian language, and they begin to try to get them to eat from the king's table, eat his food, and drink his drink. And uh, what kind of language do you feel like the world is trying to get us to learn today? Trying to teach us their language, to talk like the world, right? And it's not a wholesome language. I hate to inform you if you haven't noticed. <laughs> One of the biggest temptations I see with our youth is uh, the temptation, you know, even in junior high, maybe even middle school, maybe even in elementary school, the temptation to start saying cuss words. And you probably remember when you heard your first one or you said your first one back years ago. And so the world tries to get us to, to talk like they talk. And everybody does it, I know. It's just words. God understands me. Well, I wish that were the case. Well, God does understand. But here's what God understands. In the New Testament, in Ephesians 4.29, says, Don't use foul or abusive language. Pretty cut and dry, right? Do we need to go any further? <laughs> okay. I know everybody's doing it, but don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to them that hear it. Sounds like we're to be set apart. There should be a difference between us and them because they're out for self and we should be out for them because we love. James 1.26 says, if you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you're fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. Wow. Man, I go to church every Sunday and Wednesday, but my religion is worthless because I can't control my tongue. And you say, well, but I don't want to be religious. You know, they've made a big distinction between being religious and having a relationship with Jesus. And I understand that. But there is a pure religion. There is a right way to be religious. And it tells it here. It says, pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress, loving people. And what? What? Refusing 
to let the world corrupt you. That's true religion. Refusing to let the world cause you to sink to their level. How are you going to help them if you're in the muck and the mire with them? How are you going to pull them out? And how are they going to know that you're there to help when you're one of them? Well, if if I've got you feeling bad already, let's hold on. It's going to get worse. (laughs) Ephesians 5, 4. You know, we had a good service Sunday, didn't we? We talked about God's love. You know what we're talking about tonight? God's love. Same thing. Sometimes God... Draws you close and he loves and hugs on you. And sometimes he pulls his belt off. But I'm not whooping anybody in here. I'm just giving you the truth so you don't forget. Ephesians 5.4, obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes. Well, what are we going to talk about? (laughs) If we're not going to talk about obscene stories... Something we saw on Facebook, foolish talk, something we saw on was it? Huh? Instagram, <laughs> coarse jokes, something we heard at the, in the locker room. These are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. Big contrast. And why is Jesus telling us these things? Because he said in Luke 6.45, a good person produces good things from the treasury of of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. Because what you say, the things that's coming out of your mouth, flow from what is in your heart. So, if coarse jokes, foolish jesting, nasty things are coming out of your mouth, that's just the reflection of what's going on on the inside. And it ought not be. If you see that you're talking like that, then you need to check your heart. And it gets worse. Matthew 12, 36 says, And I tell you this, and this is Jesus speaking, you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. I'm going to be there a long time. And some of you women talk more than the men. What, what does he call an idle word? Maybe something that's not moving forward. I don't know. Maybe something that's not spoken in love or faith. or Maybe it's that coarse jesting. And, you know what coarse jesting and you know, making nasty remarks and those kind of things? Anyway, it's important. I'm just trying to help you now because we fall into traps. The the devil is always trying to get us to join in, you know, at the construction site or at at our warehouse site or at our work or wherever we're at, at the school. He's always trying to get you to change your language. Now, you're not going to believe this, but I looked on the Internet looking for some things And I found a website called Cuss Control Academy. (laughs) Cuss Control Academy. I thought, man, but what they said is so good, I had to share it. Do you want to hear what Cuss Control Academy had to say? Huh? 
<laughs> it says this. It's, it's just good common sense. I don't even know if they're Christian, but what they say is good. Swearing imposes a personal penalty. That's the highlight. It says it gives a bad impression. <laughs> Try going, you know, to a job interview. You're not going to be cussing up, up a storm. You know, it's a bad, you know it gives a bad impression. It makes you unpleasant to be with. It reduces respect that people have for you. Now, now wait a minute. I thought cussing was cool. I thought it made me look like the Hollywood stars and, and my buddies on the football team. I thought it made me a man to cuss. But listen to this. It reduces the respect that people have for you. It shows you don't have control. It's a sign of a bad attitude. It discloses a lack of character. And you know, we should be working on our character. It's immature. It reflects ignorance. And it sets a bad example. And that's just the first header. Now let me say this. Some of you may cuss today because it's residue from before you got saved. I cussed for 32 years before I got saved. I still got a lot of cuss words in there that come out occasionally. But what I'm saying is, when you see how the bar is set, then you, you begin to adjust. If nobody tells you the truth, you never know which direction to go. You will just stay there because you didn't know. So as we're talking about these things, don't let them get you down. I'm not mad at if anybody cusses. It don't matter what I think anyway. Swearing is bad for society, it says. It, can, it contributes to the decline of civility. It represents the dumbing down of America. If you've been channel surfing and you've been across the MP MTV channel or VH1 or something and you see those spring break kids and saying, you know, listening to their speech, it's like, can America get any dumber? Right? Just hearing the way they talk, it offends more people than you think. Cussing does. You think it's cool and because a, a few of them do it with you, but there's people listening that are truly offended. And I want to tell Hollywood that. I want to say, y'all have some good movies, and I get about three quarters of the way through, and somebody drops the GD bomb, and it don't even fit in the movie. And you have to stop watching it. And it's like, don't you realize people don't even go to your movies because you, you had to throw in that one? It offends people more than you think. And it's disrespectful, especially to your elders and to those around you. You, you know, you, got, you, got, you wouldn't do it in front of your boss if you have, you know, have a respectful boss. Well, maybe some of you are saying, I cuss my boss all the time. <laughs> It turns discussions into arguments. Things escalate when you begin to use cuss words. It can be a sign of hostility and lead to violence. And then it says, swearing corrupts the English language. It's abrasive. It's lazy language. It doesn't communicate clearly. It neglects more meaningful words. It shows a lack of imagination. I thought that was a good description of cussing. 
You're saying cuss words because you can't think of a better. See, I, so I get stuck there. I just want to say a cuss word. You know, you can't think of a better word to say. You, your vocabulary is small. How about working on your vocabulary and learning some positive words? Amen? Now, I won't claim I won't never let one slip. Even as pastor, you know, like I said, I got 32 years of cussing under my belt. I was a professional cusser at one time. <laughs> but you know what? Y'all saw me limping a couple of weeks ago because <laughs> me and Josh was playing basketball, and I'm playing defense, and he's doing about 18 head fakes. And I, finally, I bit on one, and I jumped in the air, and then he sticks his foot under me, and, and my twisted my ankle. When I did, it went, and I went, oh, oh. And I said, oh, Lord, help me, Jesus. Oh, Lord, help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. Heal me, Lord. And I went straight into it and got in my lounge chair. But I'm glad I was saying, oh, Lord, help me, Jesus, than something I used to would have said in the old days. Woo! The right thing came out. What's in your heart is going to reveal you, all right? So some people may just be getting started down the cussing path. Not a good witness. Don't do it. What is worth losing your Christian witness? Isn't that what you were created to be, and now you're just going to give it up to be like somebody that everybody else thinks is an idiot. All right. I'm choosing not to speak the language of the pagans. Now, we know Daniel was learning an actual language, but I thought it kind of fit with where we're going. They pressured Daniel to learn the language and to eat and drink like them. Say drink. Oh, no, Pastor. Don't go there, Pastor. At the risk of causing a church split, I'm going to talk about it. Because I heard a pastor, and you'd know his name if I said it. The other day I was listening to one of his sermons. I, I really like his stuff, and I learned a lot from him. But this pastor, in an effort to show his ease with the Lord and, and how much he walks in the freedom that God has given us, brought up the subject of drinking. And uh, he said, I started to bring a beer in here today. He's preaching in front of a church. He said, I started to drink a beer. He said, I couldn't do it, though. And he was trying to show that we have liberty in, in Christ. Then he said, But I, I'll just tell you, I drink sometimes at home. This is a pastor from a pulpit now. And this is a congregation of many thousands of people. Probably a lot of them struggling alcoholics. Some of them on the verge of wanting a beer right there in the service after hearing that. And I'm thinking, has he lost his mind? Okay. <laughs> and then... What was the other part I was going to tell you? Oh, he says he drinks sometimes at home, but he does it in a way that doesn't cause anybody else to stumble. He hides and does it. So your first clue is if you have to hide to do anything, it's probably not of the Lord. Am I telling the truth? So I think he missed it on, I mean, he's good at a lot of stuff, but I think he missed it on that one. Let's talk about drinking. Can y'all figure out which side of the fence I'm on? Okay. 
Remember now, if you drink, that's between you and God. I'm just, it's my job to tell you the truth. <laughs> you can be wrong if you want. <laughs> Proverbs 20, verse 1. I've heard, the, I've heard both sides of the argument. I have. I've heard people, you know, Jesus turned wine, water into wine. I know, and they drank. Okay. Proverbs 21 says that wine produces mockers, alcohol leads to brawls, and those led astray by drink cannot be wise. Let's turn to Proverbs 23 and continue this. Proverbs 23. <clears throat> We're going to see if drinking works out well for us. Proverbs 23, 29. Who has anguish? Who has sorrow? Who is always fighting? Who is always complaining? Who has unnecessary bruises? Who has bloodshot eyes? It is the one who spends long hours in the tavern trying out new drinks. Give me another shot of that anguish. <laughs> and hit me with a double shot of sorrow. And, and give me some bloodshot eyes while you're at it. Don't gaze at the wine seeing how red it is, how it sparkles in a cup, and how smoothly it goes down. Don't even look at it. And the King James it says don't look at it while it's moving. That means after the fermentation process, after it is turning to alcohol. You see, Back in the Old Testament days, they drank wine, but it was more akin to grape juice than the stuff that we buy that we sit and wait for it to turn into alcohol. It says don't even look at it once it turns to alcohol. For in the end, it bites like a poisonous snake. It stings like a, like a viper, and you'll see hallucinations. Oh, fun. And you'll say crazy things. You'll stagger like a sailor tossed at sea, clinging to a swaying mask. And you'll say, they hit me, but I didn't feel it. <laughs> I didn't even know when they beat me up. <laughs> when am I going to wake up so I can get another drink? <laughs> I'm just trying to help you take your medicine. So if you want some anguish and some sorrow, some fighting, complaining, bruises, bloodshot eyes, you want to say crazy things and you want to stagger around and get beat up, hang out down at the bar. They'd love to have you. <laughs> In fact, I was sitting outside a liquor store Thursday of last week. And I, they got a little bench out there, and I was sitting out on the bench in front of the liquor store in Hernando, Mississippi. And I was praying with people as they come in. It's a great place to pray with folks. But I'll tell you, you got to fight through the spirit of darkness. I'm telling you, I've been in places, and when you come walking up on that liquor store, it's like, if you got any spiritual discernment, it's like, wow, the spirit of darkness. And I went over there and sat down, and I would ask people when they come, you need prayer, talk, pray with folks. And, and I saw mamas leaving little babies in their car and going in there and coming out with a liquor bottle. I saw daddies coming in there 
getting them a liquor bottle. I saw men getting off work, and this wasn't a Friday or Saturday now. It was one after another. Went in there coming out with big cases of beer. And I'm thinking, this is a Thursday night. I wonder what his home life is like. I wonder what alcohol has done for him lately. Family's ruined. And I saw Christians who prayed with me outside there. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, what are you doing in this dark place? How did you get here? And do you have a pastor that's telling you it's okay? Because they call the place wine and spirits. Oh, there's some spirits in that place. You, you, you don't need to mess around in that place. I don't know where you are, and, I, and I'm not preaching to anybody in particular, but I'm, I beseech thee in the name of the Lord Jesus, stay away from those places. We fight against that. We don't join up sides with them. There's a pastor named Jamie Morgan. He came up with 50 reasons I don't drink. And you're thinking, Pastor, we're going to be here a long time. Well, I tried to pare them down, but I tell you, it was hard because all 50 of them were good. All, he had 50 reasons, and when he got to the end, he said, I got 50 more, but we're going to stop right there. 50 reasons that a Christian shouldn't drink. I pared it down to 25 just for the sake of time, and I'm going to go through these for you. Man, I'm really stepping on somebody's parade. I feel it right now. I love y'all. That's why I, was, I would preach a hard message and tell you the truth. I love you. I know some, somebody's saying, man, I wish you would have just left that alone. Deal, deal between you and God. I don't want to know. You don't have to come up after the service. The first reason is, I can't be sober-minded if I'm not sober. God calls us to be sober-minded. He said alcohol is a depressant, and anything that depresses us should be avoided. God is trying to lift us up, not depress us. He said alcohol skews my judgment, and we're supposed to make clear judgments. He said, I want to be fully awake for the return of Christ, not drowsy, sluggish, and dizzy. Oh, hey, oh, I missed it. Hey, wait a minute. Come back. You forgot me. <laughs> no, you forgot me. He says, show me a family for whom alcohol has made a positive difference in, your, in their lives. You won't be able to. <laughs> he said, I never heard anyone say, wow. That gin and tonic makes me feel Christ-like. He said, I want to avoid all appearance of evil. Alcohol makes it much harder for me to practice the fruit of self-control. In fact, alcohol is going to come against everything God asks you to do. Alcohol is addictive. You, you teenagers are listening, right? If you had never taken a drink, keep it going. Alcohol is a numbing agent from pain and sorrow. Jesus is wanting to heal your pain and sorrow. No one ever said, if only I'd taken a drink, things would have got, wouldn't have gotten out of control. This is a tough one. What I do in moderation, my children will do in excess. Should I tell y'all a story, on, a heartbreaking story on that? Or should I just keep going? I'll keep going. 
Yeah, I'll tell you later. Alcohol kills brain cells. The Bible says that no drunkards will enter the kingdom of God. Being drunk starts with one drink, and I don't want to see how far outside the lines I can color when eternity is at stake. Alcohol is a waster of money, gifts, talents, and destinies, and so on. Alcohol leads to bad behavior. In fact, it's, alcohol is involved in over 50% of our violent crime here in America. If wisdom is the principal thing I need, alcohol makes me stupid. Alcohol has ruined many, many marriages. And he stopped there, but we could go on. Families in general, causing divorce, causing heartache, causing men to come home and beat their wives and their children and, and abuse. And If you knew, if you sat and thought about the heartache, if you've ever known somebody that's an alcoholic that's struggling, it's not a, it's not a pretty picture. The only influence he said I should be under is God's. He said, if I don't stop, start drinking, I'll never have to stop. That's why I didn't drink. It ain't easy to stop. Then he says, God says for us to be holy, and alcohol is not. And Gary had shared with me a scripture, and I'll share it with you tonight, that confirms this. Leviticus 10.8 says, And the Lord spake unto Aaron, Aaron is Moses' brother, and he was going to be the priest. He said, Do not drink wine nor strong drink, nor thy sons with thee, when you go into the tabernacle of the congregation, lest you die. So don't be coming up in God's presence with no alcohol on your breath, lest you die. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations. That's forever. And that you may know the difference between holy and unholy and between clean and unclean or unclean and clean. So there's a difference. Alcohol is unholy. And should not be in God's presence. Alcohol lowers my resolve to resist temptation. When the world sees us drinking, it sends a message that Jesus isn't enough for us. We need something else. Moderate drinking, he says. How about modern, moderate pornography? Or moderate heroin use? Or moderate lying? Or moderate adultery? It doesn't work like that. He says, I, so he says, some people say, I don't get drunk, I only have one or two drinks. But if that was the case, why didn't you just drink a soda? Because that, it, you know, alcohol don't taste good. It doesn't to me. I drank it for a, a lot of years, and I never liked the taste of it. How many alcoholics do you think planned, got up one morning and said, I'm going to be an alcoholic? None of them planned that, guys. Adrian Rogers says one in 15 who try alcohol become alcoholics. One in 15. He says one in every five who get started on alcohol end up with drinking problems or a problem drinker. Are you willing to risk that if you've never drank now? And you, you say, well, I've, I had a drink at a party in a couple times and, and I've been able to control it. And, and, and you may be able to control it for a while, but what happens when you have that first breakup with your girlfriend? It really devastates you or something. And then you turn to the alcohol. And now all of a sudden, oh, it's numbing that pain. 
Instead of turning to God, you turn to the drink. Next thing you know, you're drinking it every day to keep that pain from being. Next thing you know, you're hooked. The devil is leading you along. If you think you've gotten away with it for a while, if you have a dog around the house that bites one out of every five people that come over, are you going to keep that dog in the house? No. So get rid of your alcohol. Don't make provision for it. Super Bowl Sunday, 1998, I think it was. I'd, I'd been saved for a couple of months, and I just had a Holy Ghost experience with the Lord. I was in my bathroom praying, and I received the Holy Ghost. Supernatural experience. I can't even go into it, but it was awesome. I was on cloud nine, and the next day was Super Bowl Sunday, and I went over to my brother's house and sat down, and he had some chips out on the table, and he came and handed me a uh, Budweiser beer and Super Bowl playing on the TV, big screen. And I grabbed it and I popped the top off like I was, and I went, and I thought, I just had a supernatural experience with the living God. And I looked at my brother and said, I don't drink no more. And I set it down. And that's the last time I drank any alcohol since 1998. Praise the Lord. Well, there was one time that we went to the lake several years later. And that was all it was to drink in the cooler. And I said, let me see if this is as nasty as I remember. And it was. I went, <laughs> I just go without. What's the main reason that I will never drink again? We've given some good reasons not to drink. You've got to admit. If you leave here thinking it's okay to drink, you've got, you've got a little, you're, you're really stretching it, I would have to say. But the main reason I will never drink again is found in 1 Corinthians 8.13. You want to turn there? 1 Corinthians So if what I eat causes another believer to sin, I will never eat meat again as long as I live. They're talking about eating meat and it causing a brother to eat some meat that was sacrificed to idols. You could say if my drinking causes another brother to sin, if somebody sees me and knows that I'm a Christian and they see me drinking, they say, well, He's a Christian. He drinks. It's all right for me to drink. And they start drinking. They become an alcoholic. They have a problem with it. And the person that Jesus gave his life for on the cross, his life is ruined because of my witness. I will never eat meat again as long as I live. That's what Paul's heart. For I don't want to cause another believer to stumble. God saved us to be his ambassadors here on the earth. We're here with a purpose. We're here to be different, peculiar people with a message that you can come over to our kingdom. That you can have eternal life. You can have all the promises of God. You can have all the promises of Jesus. And nothing is worth ruining your witness. I know it just seems like it's easy to do, and, and many of us have fallen into the traps. I did for years and years. And 
you know, it's just everybody else does it, and it just seems cool, and it seems the thing to do, and if you want to have fun and all those lies, and you, and you fall into those traps, and maybe some of you are in a, one of those traps now. But it's hard to win somebody to Jesus with a beer in your hand and foul language in your mouth. Now, if you're doing that, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> That's not the way to lead people to Christ. You don't lead people to Christ by being like them. You, you give them light into the darkness. What did Daniel do? That's who we're talking about, right? <laughs> we're back to Daniel. Daniel refused to be corrupted by the world. He talked to his trainer, the guy that was teaching them, getting them ready for service. And he told him, can, can me and my three Hebrew buddies, can we just eat vegetables and drink water because the, the food from the king's table, you know, defiles us. God has told us not to eat those kind of things. And the trainer really liked Daniel because Daniel was probably a respectful young man and said it in a respectful way. He said, well, I, I don't know about that because, you know, if you guys get scrawny and everything, the king will have cut my head off. He said, well, give us 10 days. Just give us a test trial, 10 days. And so he, he was diplomatic, and he was wise as a serpent, so to speak. And they gave him 10 days, and they ate their, their uh, vegetables instead of, you know, whatever the king's food were, the things of the world. They ate the things of God. And, man, they came out, and uh, they were healthier and better nourished than all the rest of the guys that, that caved in and ate the king's food. And so his trainer let him be true to God. God, it, you know, God will find you a way. God will find you a way. There's things that you want to do that it seems like you can't do because you're trapped. You want to come to church on Wednesdays or Sundays, but your job is making you work. Or you want to do this. There's things that you want to do, but you can't seem to get them done because you're trapped in a situation. But I imagine much prayer went up with Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to, to get favor like they did. Sometimes you got, to, you got to pray your way through some situations. But it says, then, after they showed themselves faithful and didn't defile themselves with the world's way, in Daniel 1.20 it says, whenever the king consulted them in any matter requiring wisdom and balanced judgment, he found them ten times more capable than any of the magicians and the enchanters of the entire kingdom. They were ten times smarter. God gave them gifts and abilities, and they were ten times more impressive than all the other ones that just fit in. Kids, do you want to stand out or you just want to be a carbon copy of the world? If you want to stand out, you can be ten times the man or a woman that you'll be if you compromise to the world. I'm just telling you. And that everybody else does it, excuse that's a terrible excuse. Some of us might remember our dads telling us, if everybody jumped off the bridge, would you do it too? <laughs> when what you heard, it's a terrible excuse. Why lower your standards to the world? Raise the standards. I hope Nobody has been offended tonight. I hope nobody feels like I picked on them. I don't know any of your situations al along these lines. I'm just preaching the word. I love all of y'all. If you cuss, drink, smoke, or beat your dog, I don't know. <laughs> I, I am not your master. 
I'm just relaying a message here. And, uh, you know, some people hear this tape might play the re religion verse relationship card. And they might want to write off everything I've said. You know, oh, the, Pastor, you're just trying to put me under the law. Pastor, you're just trying to bring me down, put me under the law. Well, okay. Go tell your wife, tonight I'm going to be up till 4 a.m. watching pornography. It's not in the law. It's not against the law. It's not against the law for me to, you know, be flirting with those girls at work, is it? It's not against the law. I can legally spend all my time down at the casinos if I want. I can spend all our rent money. I can play golf five nights a week while y'all are living in the poorhouse. Y'all are living in the car in the streets. It's all legal. I can do it if I want to. There's no law stopping me. Is that the kind of freedom you want? Let me ask you, how is your relationship with your wife going to be if that's your thinking? Oh, you're free. Free indeed. He who the sun sets free is free indeed. But if you think it's not going to affect your relationship, it's not going to affect your outcome, it's not going to affect your destiny, it's not going to affect who God is creating you to be, there's a story in Hosea. He's a prophet. God has him marry a, a prostitute. Breaks my heart. This prostitute is unfaithful to him, and Hosea is faithful. And God makes sure Hosea is faithful, but this prostitute keeps breaking his heart. Unfaithful. And God does it all to show us what it's like being married to us. It ought not be. He's been so good to us. So, you can, try, you can accuse me of trying to put some religion on you tonight, but I can guarantee you everything that we talked about is relationship. There wasn't no religion. There wasn't no false religion. There wasn't no law. It's about relationship. God has feelings. God cares about you. He hates what sin does to us. How the devil tricks us and fools us into giving away all the gifts and the talents and the abilities he, he's invested in us. It's about relationships. So don't compromise with this world. You're full of life now. You're full of passion. That's how he made you. So let it happen. Come alive. Look at there, 8 o'clock. Well, Bow your heads for just a moment. There's a, anybody in here that that needs Jesus. If you need him to be your Lord and Savior, would you come down front and let me pray with you? If you happen to be addicted to alcohol, or I could say the same thing about drugs, smoking that wacky weed, 
all those things that the devil's trying to make it pull, you know, he's trying to pull the wool over our eyes and say, oh, it ain't, that ain't no big deal. That ain't nothing. He ain't got no new tricks. But they're new to our younger generation. That's one of the reasons I'm, I'm saying tonight's message. But if you feel like you're hooked on something, you can't break it by yourself, you can come down and I can pray for you. But let me just tell you this. I've seen people addicted to alcohol. I've seen people addicted to drugs. And, I, and I've prayed, and we've taken people to rehab centers, and we've shown them the word, and, and this is a cycle, and it's, it's so hard to break. The only thing I can say is, if you're riding in a buggy and your horses are too much for you to control and, and, and they've broke wild and are running free and you can't get a hold of them, and you look over next, next to you sitting on the bench is somebody who can control those horses, what do you do with those reins? You hand them over. And that's the only thing I know that can beat drug and alcohol addiction. You have to hand the reins over to Jesus. I can't do it. I can't talk you into it. I don't know what... I sympathize. I empathize, empathize with you. And I hope I haven't said anything that offended anybody tonight and, and seemed like I was callous in any way. I know I, it's easy to throw out some hard words like that and not care where they land and not care if they, they hurt somebody, but I do care. And I agonize over having to say hard words to you. But I have to be obedient. God wants to set you free. God wants the rest of your life to be better than the, the beginning of your life. He wants better days ahead. He wants you free. True freedom. Not greasy freedom. He wants you to live. So... I'm going to pray. And then we'll just listen to a little of this song. As you reflect on your life, you might be thanking God for delivering you from these things. You may need to get with God about some of these things. You may be starting down that path and need to make a sudden correction. Wherever you're at, make the adjustment tonight with Jesus. Father, let your presence be here so tangible that everybody here knows that you love them and you're for them and you're rooting for them and that you're compassionate and merciful. You understand our temptations and you, you are there for us and you do forgive. You said if we confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness and to give us a fresh start. And so if that's you, just reach out for it. Say, Jesus, forgive me. I've done this. I've done that. Help me leave here tonight. Clean. On a fresh new start. I want to run with you in the fields again. I want to be alive. I want to be alive, Jesus. I don't want any darkness.
I don't want any spirits, unclean spirits around me in my life. I want to be a flaming fire, a city on a hill. I want to be light magnified for your glory. I want to be enriched with all that you are so that others can see the goodness of God in me. Oh, I want to come alive for you, Jesus. I want to live for you every moment. Forgive me for being drawn away and enticed by the things of this world. Let me be who you made me. Just let it happen. to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.